This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. here again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. We got a great show today. Uh, we got to Ask Junior presented by Xfinity. We got news on North Wilkesboro. Hadn't had news on that racetrack in a long time. Our guest, Steve Phelps, is here. Let's get started. Bring him right in. All right, everybody, let's welcome in Steve Phelps. Steve, thanks for showing up today. How you doing? Pleasure. Great yep. to be here. Where are you? Uh, I'm in uh, Daytona Beach. Yeah. Really? Sorry. Let's see this. Oh, you're at the office. Oh, my goodness. He's right across the sea. He's in the office. Look at All this. Right. You know, I'm, I guess about any- the, I'm about the only one in this building, so because we are technically closed. That's pretty awesome, though, to be able to look out of the office window and see Daytona International Speedway. I mean, no matter how bad of news that might come through an email or <laughs> a phone call, you could just be completely want do a 180 by just looking out the window and looking at that racetrack and put a smile on your face. I totally agree. Every time I sit down at my desk, I look out. Uh, I look out at the speedway. It's it's fantastic. It's it's, uh, it's got to put things into perspective. It does put things into perspective. It's pretty awesome. All right, buddy. Um, well, we've got some great news from you guys here recently that we're going back racing. Um, and this has been a long process for everybody. Uh, one month feels like a year, all that. Um, everybody's pretty much ready for uh, life to get back to normal. Uh, we want to talk about that. But first off, I guess, let's go back to when all this came about. The, when you know, you, you got teams headed to Atlanta. Some are at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yep. Um, can you even sort of help us understand how – chaotic that might have been as an industry and you guys making the major decisions to shut down not only you know to sh- shut down racing for that weekend i know that we were we had intentions of of trying to you know we had no idea we were going to be sitting here idle for this long but here you are having to really pull the plug on a race wing that's unprecedented how difficult was that for nascar yeah that was a that was a tough week um you know the guys in uh, the guys in atlanta to your point uh were, the bunch of folks were already there competition people um you know race teams other people already at the facility um i would say the guys at 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 atlanta motor speedway all of them were fantastic and um it moved pretty quickly to your point so i think that um you know we ramped up and looked like we are going to try to um race at least initially um you know at, at one point without fans um, and, and in fact, we were, it just, the whole thing was, it was just moving so swiftly. Um, and then by Friday morning, it looked like we are going to be, we are still trying to transition to create something that would work. And then ultimately we just had to pull the plug, um, which was unfortunate. Um, very difficult. I would say is that, um, again, the race teams, the, you know, the NASCAR, uh, racing operations folks, everyone really just banded together Land Motor Speedway and tried to create something that was going to work for this industry that which was unprecedented and so it looked like we we're going to race with fans and then it looked like we we're going to race without fans and then we had the, the Fox guys on board and it was um, you know within 48 hours it kind of went from one direction to them being completely shut down which 
you know, in, in hindsight was the right decision, but it was really difficult. And, um, you know, as Eric Shank said from Fox, he said NASCAR is the last sport to, to close down and NASCAR will be the first sport uh, to come back. So as a, as a, you know, just, I, I get information from, from my phone, from the news. I'm, you know, I'm not making the decisions that you guys are having to make. Y'all obviously need better information than I could ever receive from the outlets that I have and everyone else up and down the street has. So where are you guys getting the information you need to make these decisions? Who are you trusting uh, not only back then to make the correct choices, uh, but now going forward, um, who are the people you guys rely on? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we've got a lot of folks that we're dealing with. Uh, early on, uh, we got kind of hooked up with a, an infectious disease doctor, um, Dr. Celine Gounder, um, who's, you know, one of the best in the country. And so she was getting the information that we needed probably well in advance of where some other folks were, frankly. Um, and since that time, you know, we still have been consulting with her, but the medical community, the CDC, all kinds of different inputs that come that allow us to make informed decisions um, about when you can go back, when it's safe to go back, because we don't want to go back and, you know, heaven forbid, have something happen and then have to stop again. You know, once we go back, we need to continue down this road and make sure that, again, everyone is safe, the competitors, the safety workers, uh, everyone involved. So it's a our, our folks, um, Steve O'Donnell, John Bobo, um, Tom Bryan, a um, bunch of folks that are, um, you know, kind of but behind the scenes that are making sure, and then obviously dealing with all the stakeholders in the sport, making sure everyone is aligned on what direction that we're going. So it's, uh, it's not, the decisions aren't made in a vacuum. The decision aren't made, our decisions aren't being made because of kind of sentiment, um, you know, one of the most important things that we've had to do is to try to make sure that each of the governors and the states where we want to race, um, initially without fans, that they needed to be on board. Um, the, the first governor who, who did that, would, frankly, was Governor DeSantis here in Florida. And the governor was great, called up and said, hey, we really want you to get back to racing, uh, you know, in our state. And so, you know, whatever you need to do, you'll have our support. Now, with that, with every governor and every decision we have, you also need to make sure you've got, you know, kind of the, the local communities and the counties on board. And then all these various, depending on states, the health boards and health and human services or county medical people. I mean, it's just, and every state's different. So Florida came online um, and then it was really trying to important. The plan was to really look at going to places where we wouldn't have to travel. Right. So right. the bulk of the industry is in Charlotte. So we wanted to make sure that there are day trips. So if I'm a crew guy, I wake up in my bed, I eat breakfast, I jump in my car, I drive to Charlotte Motor Speedway, I drive to Darlington, I drive to Bristol, I drive to Martinsville, all day trips, right? You go and you work, you get your race in, um, you jump in your car and you go home and sleep in your own bed. Um, and that's what we really wanted to do because we wanted to limit the risk uh, and make it as simple as possible. Um, and so you've talked to, we've talked about, you know, the essential personnel being there. You know, I, I, I do find it funny. I had a sales guy 
reach out to me last week and said he was he was pretty sure he was essential personnel. And I said, there's no there's no one to sell anything to in in the racetrack. But right. I appreciate your efforts. Um, so, but it was tough. And the, each of the governors has been uh, unique and different. Um, you know, I think the process has worked uh, pretty well. Um, so we're cleared to go in a number of different states in the southeast. Those were the ones that we were most wanting to to get right. Um, obviously, we've only announced the schedule in South Carolina and Charlotte. Um, uh, and and um, North Carolina was important, and Governor Cooper was was great. Um, Governor McMaster in South Carolina was great. Um, but we've had discussions with the governors of, of Georgia and Texas and Tennessee and Virginia, um, and we're you know we're looking to to open things back up because we want to get back racing. So you guys, um, I think the the surprise for me and one of the surprises of the many uh, that this whole situation is presented was the back to back races, racing at Darlington twice, yep. Charlotte twice. What yep. were the what was those conversations like? What was the reservations and the, 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 what boxes did that check uh, for you guys to go ahead with that plan? Well, I think initially it was really about trying to make sure that we got it right. And so, for example, in Darlington for the Sunday's, Sunday, Wednesday race, you have the opportunity to make sure all your procedures are right, make any changes to them, make sure the Fox equipment you know, frankly, is set up and ready to go and actually have two races instead of one. Um, there's an ease to it that, that just we wanted to make sure we we're being very cautious about what we we're doing. And we want to try to get those races on the books. Um, I think it's pretty cool to, to look at a, a Wednesday race. I know it's a, a, something that we've been looking to do for a while um, and, you know, test out. Now we have the opportunity to test it out and see how it's going to go. Um, it is different, right, to be going to a, a racetrack for a, for a cup race, uh, two races in a row. Um, but I think that everyone is starved for, you know, to get back to racing. And, you know, you look at the success of, of the iRacing and the number of eyeballs that it has, has put out there. You know, we think this is going to be a really good test for us and a real opportunity for us to not just have our, you know, our core fans consume the sport like they never have because it's we haven't been racing for so long um but and also an opportunity for other people to see our sport sample our sport and i think we're going to have millions of fans that that will tune in who otherwise wouldn't that are going to see how great great our sport is um and so we i think we'll have a you know potential lifetime fans that will will come out of this really difficult situation uh, that we're experiencing. Steve, Steve uh, you know, you just hit on something and I, I want to ask you this, you know, usually when changes happen or big decisions come down, we are prone to ask, how does that affect me? Right. I mean, like that, that is 99% of the people, but you are the president. You don't have that benefit. You got a lot of people that you got to consider. So I wonder if you can just give us the scope of your considerations when you have to make even less. I mean, just any decision. I mean, I, off the top, you just, you've mentioned Fox and you've, you know, you talked to governors. So like, let, let's be selfless for a second and try to understand all the people that have to be considered in every decision that be is made in this type of situation. 
Yeah, I think for us, it, it, I think if you go, you go back, Mikey, and you look at what we're trying to achieve, the most important thing for us was to make sure we got all the races in. And that continues to be kind of job one for us. So get all the races in. We would love to be racing in front of fans, but we can't do that right now. And so we think it's more important to get the races in. Yeah. Particularly right now, because we don't have a lot of competition out there in the sports world. Or frankly, anything else. I mean, how many Netflix series can you watch? <laughs> you know, enough. <laughs> how many, how many movies that you've already seen 20 times? Right. So, you know, for us, we, we had a real opportunity here. So getting the races on, and then we've tried to do a, a good job of um, plugging into the industry to, to understand kind of what the pulse of the industry is. So, for example, early on, we had to get back with, you know, get to the race teams and figure out, well, how quickly um, can you guys get back on the racetrack once you get back in your shots? Um, and part of it had to, to, to do with, okay, well, what tracks are you going to go to? So if you're going to intermediate track, since we had some of those cars already in the process of being built or built, that would be an easier racetrack to go back for us than to go to, you know, Daytona International Speedway, right? Right. Uh, which would take much longer. So, so that there are there's so many different stakeholders. You know, we did need to make sure the Fox guys were, were, you know, on board with what we're doing. You know, the Fox and NBC scheduling people to make sure we had the windows available. They've been both groups have been fantastic you know, on the, on the Fox procedure, safety, production, all of them working with, with our folks to make sure everyone understood what was happening. So, but we have to think about this, the stakeholder group is, you know, overall. So, you know, our partnership people have been speaking to the partnership people, the, the broadcast folks, um, the tracks themselves to make sure all the tracks understand what it is we're doing. Hmm. With each of the governor calls, we needed to make sure that whatever track was in that you know, um, in that state that they were up and running. And, and in some cases they were helping us in other cases, you know, we we're working in concert with them. It's just, um, it's been a, it's been a process, just a lot of people, but, you know, and we're trying to be as, you know, communicate as best we can, which, which is, you know, it's hard because you're moving, you're moving really fast. And in some cases, it, it, the usual kind of checks and balances and, confidentiality. We understand how this industry works, you know, and, and unfortunately, if, you, if something is put out there, it, it gets to the media pretty quickly. And, you know, we just don't have, we don't have time to wait and, you know, kind of check all those boxes. It's just, all right, we're moving forward. And if the, the information gets out, so be it. Um, we just need to make sure that we are doing whatever we can do to get back as quickly and as safely as possible. So, that Mike, Mike, uh, you mentioned it, Steve. You we want to get all the races in. Why was that so important that we had the new the number of races, the same number of events? Why is that so critical? Yeah, well, I think for, it's really two things. One, I think that was the expectation of you know all the folks in the industry, including including the fans, frankly. Um, but then it's also you know if we ran you know thirty races versus you know, 36 points paying races, then if I'm a sponsor and I don't have six of those races, well, then I'm going to want my money back. Um, and for race, race teams, you know, need that revenue coming in. We need to make sure we do that. You know, same thing from a television perspective, frankly, you know, if we race six fewer races, if I'm Fox or NBC, I'd probably be like, 
okay, well, I'll just take a pro rata deduction on what I was supposed to pay you. And, and that, you know, that pays a lot of, obviously a lot of bills, right? Yeah. So we needed to make sure that we try to get that in. And then lastly, or firstly, uh, we think there's a tremendous interest from our fan base to want to make sure that we get all the races in and, you know, the, the championship that people are running for is meaningful. You know, right now you get other sports that are trying to determine, can we get back? If we get back, do we run playoffs? Do we, you know, end our regular season out of, as of yesterday? And then you're just moving forward with whatever your playoffs look like. They're all over the map. Yeah. Um, for us, if we didn't have to, to do that, you're able to get the races in, you know, we're four races in. So, which means we've got 22 regular season events to go, plus the All-Star. That's something we're interested in doing. Okay, let's take a quick break from this conversation and have Dale Jr. tell us who's back with the Dale Jr. Download. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Forgive me if this information's out there. It's so hard to stay on top of what what's what's real and what's not. But, um, for some of the tracks, you know, is the schedule, is the schedule, um, still fluid beyond the first couple of weeks and is the door closed on any racetracks for this particular race season? Um, how does that all remain? Yeah. So I would say the schedule is 99% of the way done. Um, we would like to announce, you know, a full schedule, the reasons why we can't do that part of it has to do with, we don't know if we can get into that particular state or not. Mm. So we know we're good in the States of South Carolina. We know yeah. we're good in the States of North Carolina right. or in the state of North Carolina. So we are, that's kind of where we stopped um, just to put a kind of put a flag in the ground and say, Hey, we're going to move forward. Um, you know, with, with these first four races, what we're determining right now is, you know, obviously the number of events in Darlington for this year, when the season started, we had one. Now we have three. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to figure out where those races are coming from. Um, so we have some idea, but we're trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, because if like, you have two additional Darlingtons and one additional Charlotte Motor Speedway, they have to come from, from some racetrack. And so is that coming from a racetrack with, with two events that will now have one? Those are the things that we're, we're, we're trying to work through right now. Well, I, I was curious, uh, you know, I think we pride ourselves on trying to be prepared for everything, right? You know, in our plans and our contingencies. But this would have been hard to prepare for because you're talking about having to deal with governors and different governors, maybe different personalities. Um, 
I can't even imagine what that's like delegating through all that. But is there even anything remotely close to a precedent that you could have pulled from to say, okay, this is how we would, we, or maybe another sport has, or maybe the TV partners were able to have a precedent that they, they referred to as far as helping deal. Or did you guys start from square one in preparing for this? Yeah, I think it was a, that was a square one kind of thing. Mike, it mm. re- reminds me of, uh, you know, a conversation two weeks ago with governor Cooper and he said, you know, in the playbook, when this whole thing started and I became the governor, became the governor of North Carolina, it didn't say anything about a pandemic. Right. Um, so I think it's for everybody, it's, it's all new. Um, yeah, there, there are parts of it that are, you know, that are unique um, to what this pandemic is. And part of it's just, you know, reacting and, and, and being a leader, right, and doing yeah. it in the way you think it's, it's best. And so for me, that's what I'm trying to do. I've got phenomenal, as, as you guys know, I've got phenomenal um, kind of lieutenants here. So Steve O'Donnell, Jill Gregory, um, Daryl Wolf, Craig Neeb, uh, Ed Bennett, Gary Crotty, and then the support of, of, of Jim France and Lisa Kennedy. You know, our, our teams are unbelievable. I think it's the best group uh, in all of sports. And I think they've really proven that during this, you know, during the past six weeks, they have been fast and, you know, kind of reacting and adopting and creating a plan and then starting to execute against that plan with excellence. And, you know, the beneficiaries are going to be, you know, anyone who loves this sport um, and anyone who works in this sport, frankly, and right. there have been tough decisions that we've needed to make um, some personnel stuff, which, you know, I, I just hate, um, but we got to get we got to get through this, and when we get through it, we're going to be stronger. It's just difficult getting there. Is that when the toughest decision the the personnel? I, I, for for me personally, I mean, for other people, maybe it's not for me. I, I just uh, you know, our whole our whole organization, the industry as a whole, is really about people, right? And that's what we do. We're about racing, and we're about people, and. You know, we've got intellectual property that we have, but it's the people that make it go. Um, and so, yeah, we've had we've had some tough some tough things. So I can't imagine we'll we'll, we'll we'll get through it. And when we get through it, you know, those folks that that are part of the team moving forward will be part of a you know a, a stronger, um, better organization that can help hopefully lead this sport to to new heights. Well, I was just going to go back to the schedule for a second. When, if we do get through this, our hope is that we get back as close to as normal as possible. I don't think any of us will ever expect to be, you know, how you know, ever expect things to be like they were pre-pandemic. I think that we all are going to have to approach our lives differently and and uh, going forward. But there is a new schedule for next year. How much? And there's a lot of new things on the horizon. The the new car that's been have been delayed, unfortunately, but. Um, how much of that stuff do you, are you guys able to put any focus on? Um, and also does this schedule this season present opportunities for you guys to learn the potential of what that schedule could be going forward in 2021 midweek races, stuff like that. Do you take, will you take some notes from what you learn here, uh, to devise that new schedule? Yeah, I think it's a couple different things. Um, the answer, short answer is yes. So we are, 
actually had a conversation last week with, with O'Donnell and, and Ben Kennedy around the 2021 schedule because we got <laughs> we got to get going. Um, and so there are, there are things that um, we're having discussions on right now, which seems odd because we're still trying to figure out the 2020 schedule. <laughs> right. All these things are, you know, kind of wrapped up and moving forward. Um, so we, we've started those things. And then as it relates to learnings that we have, yeah, I think there are learnings that we can have on a lot of different fronts, not just on things like, you know, potentially double headers, because um, we're supposed to have one double header and it was at Pocono this year. Right. But can you do a Wednesday night race? Does it work? Can you load in quickly? You know, kind of load in, load out, you know, slightly shorter race potentially. Um, I, I think the answer is yes. Um, not just from a schedule standpoint, but, you know, do you need to, I don't know the answer to this, you know, do you need to practice three times and then, and have qualifying? Do you do it over a, a period of three days or do you shorten all of that as well? Because you can, um, you know, those are things that we'll study and we'll, and we'll look at it as, you know, industry wide, we're, we're, you know, what things are just not necessary moving forward. And, and I think that's what we need to try to get at. Um, and so I think there will be a lot of learnings that we'll have. You know, you also have to look at it and make sure that you're not looking at it. You know, that first Wednesday night race that we have at Darlington, you know, it's probably going to do a real big television number, right? right. Because people are bored um, yeah. and it's cool to, hey, we're in a really cool idea to race, you know, on a Wednesday night. Um, you know, that may not look the same, you know, year from next now. year on a Wednesday yeah. night, right? Because You've got other sports and other opportunities. Just have to be cautious about how, how we're looking at it. But I think there are some really interesting and unique ideas that people are trying to develop that, that make this thing work. That's interesting, too. When, so if everything goes as planned and we're into August, uh, September, November, every sport in the, in the world, every sport that's, that's going to go you know, from, from start to finish from February to December is going to cram into yeah. the fall. What challenges does that present for NASCAR to have to, to sort of, you know, stake their claim to a little bit of that territory when every sport that we know is going to be happening all at once? Right. Yeah. I think the good thing for us is because we were first, uh, I, I believe we we got to NBC and Fox sooner than any of their other sports. And so we're able to secure windows as quickly as, you know, more quickly than anyone else. So yes, there'll be increased competition most likely as the fall gets just crammed with sports. Um, but the first and most important thing for us is to make sure that we had those television windows um, that, that were secured. Um, and then, you know, from there, I do think that we're going to take a lot of these fans with us. So once they learn about our racing and they, they see how competitive it is and how cool it is and the storylines and, and our drivers, athletes, our crews, all of it that makes us who we are, we're going to keep people into the fall. We're going to keep people into next year. Um, we're going to keep people, you know, going into the Daytona 500 next year that wouldn't have even considered us the Daytona 500, you know, this past, you know, uh, this or earlier this year. When you consider, you know, a million and a half new people watch iRacing that had never watched a NASCAR event. I mean, that's, that's insane. Yeah. Um, a million and a half. And, and a lot of them were younger. And so as these storylines have developed with some of these, you know, drivers, um, 
you know, that are them will be on the racetrack or in the booth. Uh, it, it's, it's like, Oh, cool. I, I know that guy from iRacing. And well, this is a lot cooler than iRacing because, Oh, they're actually in real cars. Um, and there's obviously a danger element to it. And, and all of that, that makes you know, kind of the sights and sounds of who we are as a sport. Well, yeah, would you agree that NASCAR of all, of all the other sports, and I think timing might have played a big part in it as well because, you know, you've got other sports that have, aren't even in season. But it feels like NASCAR when it has been the most opportunistic given the bad situation. Uh, and iRacing is one such way. But also you getting back and, and, and us being able to get back in. I mean, and then what you're talking about. I mean, would you agree that uh, uh, that, that the sport that you preside over has been able to rise up and, and, and make the most of an opportunity when otherwise it would have be been just r- really bad? Yeah, I think it's, that's a good question. You, know, you look at the iRacing and, and all the other sports when we started the iRacing piece, and I think this uh, – you know, all the top esports on television are now ours. So every race we run, we are then the number one, two, three, four, five, you know, esports in the country. And we'll, we will be again um, from this past weekend at Dover. Um, so that, that part's really cool. Do we have a competitive advantage? Yeah, we had a competitive advantage that they had this great, you know, platform out there. And the iRacing guys have done phenomenal job. And how lifelike it, it is at Dover and it was at Talladega, I mean, just, just incredible. And so NASCAR gets, you know, applauded for being geniuses. It's like mm-hmm. that was done 10 years ago, right? We're just fortunate to be able to take advantage of it today and give the fans and new fans and, you know, kind of avid fans alike an opportunity to see some racing, right? To see some cars on the racetrack, even if they're virtual. Um, and then you look at kind of, our, you know, kind of traveling circus and the, and the fact that, you know, most of the people who are working at the racetrack already have protective equipment on. And so it's really, unlike the NBA, I, I had a conversation with the deputy commissioner a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mark Tatum, and he said, we got a bunch of guys, you know, banging in each other, you know, exchanging bodily fluids and it's tough, <laughs> right. right? For us, our guys are, Everyone already has a helmet on, right? Or, you know, protective clothing and those that don't will. And so for us, we have another competitive advantage. There are other times that we are, we don't have a competitive advantage, right? So if you're major league baseball and you've got, you know, 81 home games and you're trying to have a bunch of content out there uh, of live games, typically that's a great thing for them and a competitive advantage that they have. Now, trying to get all those games scheduled now, maybe not. That's, that makes it a lot more difficult, right? So we all come to one place and, you know, we're there, we race, and then we leave, right? You don't have, you know, to go to another city, to another town and play that team and potentially infect them. And it's just, um, you know, we, we have a more controlled environment. A lot of people work in the events, but, but a controlled environment. Well, Steve, we really appreciate you giving us some time today. And uh, we know you got a lot of things to get back to. And uh, we appreciate the hard work that you put into uh, running our sport and trying to make all the best decisions that you can for us. I think that um, as a team owner, uh, our employees, everybody really appreciates it because I know that you uh, make a lot of decisions on our behalf. And um, 
and we think you're doing an amazing job. We can't wait to get back to the racetrack and see you, buddy. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. And thanks for your time, guys. Yes, it's sir. nice to be on with you guys again. It's, uh, hopefully, we'll be back racing soon. And, and, and appreciate all you guys do to make sure that, you know, I know a lot of people watch this and they're entertaining their star for something that, you know, is unique and different. You guys always put on a, you know, a great show. And uh, look forward to getting seeing you guys back at the racetrack, at least, you know, hopefully soon anyway. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, Take guys. care, bud. Take care. See you. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. and You know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. All right, guys, so um, we're bringing back North Wilsboro. That's right. All right. Um, that's the news on North Wilsboro. This is a bit of a touchy sort of subject. Man, people are super, uh, you know, anytime anybody talks about resurrecting a racetrack, North Wilsboro is the track that everybody wants NASCAR to go back to. They hadn't raced there since 1996. Uh, the way that things for, sort of fell apart for that racetrack was really difficult for people to understand. It involved um, Marcus uh, Smith and Bruton and his group, uh, acquiring the racetrack and the dates to that racetrack and sending those dates out to other uh, places like New Hampshire and, and Texas. Um, and so that, that was hard for people to deal with. Um, but anyhow, the place is pretty much sat, you know, dormant and, and, and there's been very minimal use of the racetrack and uh, it's, it's quickly or, or soon to be beyond any real, uh, consideration for being renovated. It is probably beyond that point already, but I went out there with Mike Davis and a bunch of other people, I racing. Marcus Smith went with us. Basically, Marcus has opened the door up for us to be able to go and scan the racetrack and scan it. I mean, put it in iRacing and sort of bring it back to life virtually. When we went out there, we found some very interesting stuff and we are going to share that all with you uh, on my Twitch channel, which I have. And Thursday, I think at 9 p.m., we're going to uh, live stream on Twitch a, a short film by Dirty Mo Media on how we went about this project. All right, so I don't want to open up any more cans of worms or give you any more information about it. I want you to wait around till Thursday 9 p.m. on my Twitch channel. It's Dale Earnhardt Jr. 88. Just go to Twitch, type in Dale Earnhardt Jr. 88, all one word. And that's my Twitch channel. And you can uh, see that with us on Thursday. And it's a great little film. And I'm excited to be able to share with everybody, yeah, how we, how we brought North Wilsboro back to life. So um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great uh, experience. And, and we're literally... Um, 
only a month or so away before that's coming, probably just about a month before that's going to be available to the iRacing customers, which is going to be an exciting day for me. I'm going to really be having my eyes on the, uh, on the community to uh, see the reaction and see how much they enjoy this sort of version of the racetrack. And there's a lot of bells and whistles that they don't know about that'll be included in that release as well. That'll be exciting too. So pretty cool. Uh, Mike, you were a big part of all this and especially helping uh, Matthew uh, and, and Leah even as well. Everybody's sort of pulling together to not only helping us get the racetrack ready and to scan it, but also to put this content together if you guys want to comment. Well, first of all, there was a lot of weeds. I mean, when you yeah. say, I think you were being a little too kind about uh, it's almost in disrepair. I think it's actually there. We saw that garage coming down. I mean, let's put it this way. there You, you can spend billions of dollars if you want it. I mean, everything's repairable if you got enough money and want to spend enough money. But let's just be honest. I think to build it up, you have to tear it all the way down. Yeah. So I like, just, that's gone. That's an aforementioned thing. And people, I, look, I'm not saying that you're wrong or people are up, you know, can be, you know, emotionally tied to it, but it's just life. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is beyond repair, but because of iRacing, we get to live uh, live uh, with North North Wilkesboro as it was uh, back in the 80s and 70s. I mean, like, it's really fascinating. And I've been learning the process as we've been going along. Because when you, I got to admit, when you started saying, we need to get out there and weed eat this track so they can scan it. I got to be honest with you. I wasn't exactly sure what we were what we were doing. I wasn't exactly sure the process in which, how can these guys literally bring every nook and cranny of this track back to reality? And now this video that we're going to premiere on Thursday, and it'll be on our YouTube channel Friday, it explains it all. And it shows a little behind the scenes perspective of uh, what that day in December was like for us. Because if you guys remember, it was quite rainy. It was quite cold. <sighs> Super cold, yeah. Uh, and, and yet I uh, got to hand it to, to Marcus. Marcus was out there right there with us. Boy, I mean, we got dirty. We got dirty <laughs> and wet and cold. And man, Marcus was out there plowing with us. And there was a lot of work to be done. It was a lot of fun. That being said, I'm really, uh, I, I can't wait to watch this race uh, Saturday as well. I mean, you know, we get to watch an, we get to watch a Wilkesboro race this weekend. All right. I mean, I'm pretty geeked out about it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. I really haven't watched any of the broadcasts. I've just been in the races myself, but this is one that I might actually go back and watch only because you're going to see basically some similar camera angles and you're going to see the cars coming up the back straightaway up the hill and going down the hill on the front straightaway. And it's really going to bring back a lot of memories to see, to see those visuals, you know, yeah. and to be able to sort of watch some of the older footage of that racetrack. And, and then now the, the new, the, the new footage from iRacing, it's going to show you, I guess, how, how well iRacing did in rebuilding this racetrack and, and, recreating it. It's really cool. Uh, look forward to that uh, video and being able to stream that on the, on Twitch Thursday for everybody to see it. It's not a very long experience. It's not a very long, long drawn out process of a video. It's very right. nice and compact it, and it's easy what we to do. see. It's yeah. what we do. We do 15 to 20 minute videos. That's yeah. what we do. You'll love it. So yeah. looking forward to that. I'll get on there and probably do uh, five minutes uh, of conversation. Maybe not even that. Get the video going. We'll watch that. And then after that, maybe about 10 to 30 minutes of Q&A if you guys got any further questions. Um, so it'll be fun. Look forward to that. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 
You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open i don't want to miss a thing yeah you, you know you gotta act quick yes and when you want the best you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead it's like if you're hiring for a business you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up mm. so what's the best way to do that zip recruiter ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast and right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash dale jr ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. We are live. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. with the uh, Dale Jr. download here. This is the Ask Jr. portion on our YouTube social handle uh this is all presented to you by xfinity leah is here with me to uh sort of go through the questions and uh, mike davis is here i don't know if he's going to do anything or not but he's here probably not are you not going to be okay so hope you guys got some good questions hope you had a good weekend let's get started First question comes from John Duncan. He wants to know, says, it sounds like the first hot lap at Darlington will be the green flag. Have you ever had a race like that? And if so, what were you thinking going into turn one? I don't know if we've ever had a race like that, but I'll tell you this. All right. When I hear about this, it reminds me of only one thing, and that's Mark Martin. And if you go to Mark Martin's social media, uh, social media handle, Twitter, um, you'll see him comment about this. When I was racing in 98 and 99 in the Xfinity Series, Mark Martin was running all the races and winning all of them. And when we would get up in the morning uh, and go to the racetrack on either a Friday, maybe Thursday morning, whatever it was, to get uh, to, to run first practice, typically the Xfinity cars were the first cars on the track. And Mark would go out there and he would enter, for example, at Charlotte Motor Speedway, turn one. We would go out of the racetrack and I'd try to follow him because I want to learn. And he would arc entering turn one bigger than he probably was ever going to do in the race. And with, ent- with entirely 100% commitment on entry speed, on what he expected the grip to be, everything, he went in there with no questions, no doubts, and no insecurities, right? And that, this type of situation is tailor-made for a guy like Mark Martin. So that's what I think about when I hear about this. There'll be some guys that are going to be loving this uh, idea. There's going to be some guys that are not going to like it, not going to be excited about it, going to be extremely nervous. And the ones that like it are going to love that, you know, that they feel like they've got an advantage psychologically over some of these guys. Um, So in Darlington, you know, one of the toughest racetracks that you can race at. I don't care if you're out there by yourself. It's one of the hardest, most – difficult ovals in the country. And yeah, I think it's really going to separate some of the braver, uh, more talented guys from some of the less experienced, 
um, timid sort of drivers. Uh, but it, it'll, it'll be fun to watch. Can't wait. But that, that, that Mark Martin arcing off into turn one in the Xfinity series in that Winn-Dixie car in 1998 on a cold Friday morning, you know, really uh, was the most impressive thing that I'd ever seen in racing at that time. And it's exactly what it reminds me of. Guys like that, they're going to kill it. Staying on the theme of um, going back to racing, Jim Foster wants to know, what are teams doing to prepare for this um, upcoming stretch of back-to-back races that we may not know about? I don't, yeah, I, I don't, this is all uncharted territory for all of us. So everybody's going to approach it differently. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. I'll tell you one thing that if, so if I'm a driver and I'm, I've been in my house, right? Haven't had a lot of opportunity to go communicate. Obviously we can zoom and do all the things, but there's nothing as good as the communication you could have being in the same room, uh, getting the temperature of people's opinions and the, the, the tone of their voice and inflection and, and all those things. You really can learn so much about, what your crew chief expects from you or what your engineers are thinking about all being in that same room. Well, we haven't been able to really do that a lot uh, for some of these teams. So if I'm a driver and uh, we're coming up on this weird schedule where we're going to run at Charlotte twice in the same week or, 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 you know, have back-to-back races and you know, what, seven races in a very short period of time, I need to be in the room with those guys. They are the ones that are, that can look at this and find the advantages uh, the, the engineers, the crew chiefs are going to sit at home or, or, or huddle and find ways to manipulate this and, 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 and take advantage of, of, of opportunities that it presents. And so I want to be close to those guys. I want to be in the same room with them. I want to be talking to them on the phone with them, calling them, texting them in sync uh, with, with what their mindset is and what they expect to try to accomplish when we go to the racetrack. And, that's really going to give me the most confidence. Everybody's different. Everybody feeds off of, you know, I feed off of affirmation, cheerleading. Uh, people, people react well to different things. But I want to be around my guys and just sort of knowing that, man, they got it under control and they see some opportunities here and some ways to take advantage of this situation. Think about it. All right, let's be real. We're going to the racetrack and we've got a very limited amount of people that are going there. All right. It's going to be a very quick show. There's not going to be all the bells and whistles and the whole layout, the intricacies of tech and practice and qualifying and all those things throughout. And they're going to cram all this into one day. All right. There's going to be opportunity to, to get a few things through, right. In tech, let's be honest. Like, so, so you can, you might want to be a more aggressive, right? Do I, do I want to know everything my crew chief and my engineers are thinking about? Maybe not everything. I don't want to be privy to all that information, but I definitely want to know how their approach is, whether they're going to be aggressive. All right. Whether, whether there's things that I need to take care of in the race car to try to take advantage of those opportunities. And so that's what I'm thinking about. If I'm a driver, every driver and crew chief and engineer, when they get the rule book, they don't read it and build their race car to the specs. They read it for holes. They read it for finding ways to circumvent the, the wordage and, and try to twist it to make, take advantage of it, manipulate it, right? And that's what you're going to do this race weekend. It's a different race weekend. It's not going to be like we used to have it. It's going to be very short and comp, um, very short and there's going to be limited things happening and individuals around to, to be uh, observant and, and in control. Will the tech be uh, as, as strict? I don't know. 
right? But let's go there with opportunity to try to take advantage of some gaps, right, in, in that process. So that's how I would be approaching these weekends. Uh, I would be doing everything I could to try to take advantage of, of getting a win, uh, creating more speed for myself, creating an advantage that other teams don't have. And I would be in the ear or on the phone or in the middle of the conversations with my crew chief and engineer all the time, every minute of the day. Um, next question coming from Tim Pendergrass. What would your uh, first five picks be for the underappreciated paint scheme hall of fame? This one might be tough for you. What? What was all if that? There, if, there, if there was an underappreciated paint scheme hall of fame, what would your first five picks be to go into five it? Five picks? I mean... <laughs> I can't even probably give you one. Let me see. Underappreciated paint schemes. Yep. You know, I, I, I've said this before. The Keystone, I think it was Keystone. Wally Dollenbach drove that car for Roush, number 16. Kind of had this orange, white corner sort of fade thing going on. I always liked that car. Anything with orange and a fade. Uh, one of our cars, I think we, so I had this red, this red sort of uh, who was uh, it wasn't Oreo it was uh, a cracker Ritz Ritz yeah so the red Ritz Bush car that I ran at Daytona in in, in uh, February one year had this sort of yellow stripe around the bottom I recreated that car um, intentionally for the Exalta race car for one one of my years one of the last few years I raced. I didn't tell anyone else that, but some people picked up on it when they saw it. Um, but that, I like that sort of red to orange to yellow, any kind of fade thing. And I use, I use that, but most, most, most rate, most good schemes are appreciated. There's not really any good schemes that aren't appreciated, but I would say that Keystone car, plus it was a beer car. I always liked all the beer cars. Um, but most of the beer car, you know, there's a lot of people that like the Miller. Let's talk about paint schemes that people like that. I didn't think was that good. Like all the, like, I like that. Yeah. Talking about beer cars. I go to the Miller cars, right? Look, I like Miller. I'll drink it. Nothing wrong with it. But people, I thought a lot of people really liked a lot of the Miller cars and I really, really didn't think, I really didn't think I read great. Yeah, I really did. There's a couple that Brad Keselowski um, throwbacks that he did for Rusty, right? And people were like, oh, I love that car. I remember that one. That was a good one. You know, maybe the black one with the red and blue squirrely through the door or whatever it was. Yeah, I remember that. It was a badass car. Mm. Yeah. None of Rusty's cars ever really stood out to me as like, damn, that, that's, a good, that's a good looking scheme, you know? So there's probably more of those, I think, where people are, are wowed by a scheme. And I'm, I thought another one might be the Bell South car, um, the 42 Bell South car, I oh, think. The green uh, and the yeah, kind Kenny of Irwin neonish. Had, Kenny yeah. Irwin drove it. Nemechek might have drove it. Mm -hmm. I think that they should do that car as a throwback. I do because I think it would be cool to – because I'll be honest, aside from Kyle Petty's Melly Yellow car, uh, the last couple of 42 throwbacks have been underwhelming. But that Bell South car, I think, would be a cool throwback. So maybe that's one that's underappreciated that I thought was cool. There you go. All right, guys. That's it for today. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thanks to Xfinity for sponsoring our Ask Junior portion of the Dale Junior Download. Great questions. 
You know what's been cool to see, Dale? Companies coming together to help everyone during this crazy time. You had the special Feeding America scheme uh, for the Pro Invitational Series at Talladega a few weeks ago, and our friends at Xfinity have been helping donate and distribute masks, face shields, gowns, and other supplies to our frontline workers. It's been incredible to see all that support because we do need to work together to help as many people as possible. All right, check out Xfinity.com prepare to see all of their COVID-19 efforts and that some of their policies have been extended to June 30th. Good news, Mike. We're going to have good enough internet to record these at least through June. That is great news. <laughs> Yo, it's Brett Griffin, and we're going back to the racetrack soon. You need to make sure you listen to our podcast, Door Bumper Clear, to get ready for the racing return. What's up? Freddie Kraft here, and today we discuss racing without practice area qualifying, debate NASCAR's waiver system, and talk about tracks we wish we could have spotted at. I'm TJ Majors, and you don't want to miss us this week and every week. Listen and subscribe to Door Bumper Clear on all major podcast platforms. Odd history. A little North Wilsboro odd history for you today. Enix Staley. You hear his name mentioned a lot when you talk about early NASCAR racing. He helped run a few tracks. The big kind man was best known for owning North Wilkesboro Speedway. The entire Staley family throughout the history of North Wilkesboro ran the place well and really took care of the fans, even when they had the most unusual requests. The fan connection to North Wilkesboro was strong, so much so that a fan once requested that if he passed away, his ashes be spread on the track. So, before the October 1994 event at North Wilkesboro, Richard Petty drove a lap around the track with the man's ashes. Hmm. Then, the king helped spread them on the track before the green flag of the Tyson Holly Farms 400. Mike Staley, the son of a former track owner, later said, if you think about it, all that dust flying up there, people eating hot dogs. Everybody got a little piece of that guy. <laughs> Everybody that's got a little piece of that's that's grotesque. Yes, that's, 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 that's pretty odd. That is odd. Last call. Okay, a note for all of you who are stuck in their homes during this pandemic and some for you who are starting to go out and about, you need to look good. How? Well, you can get you some gear at DirtyMoMedia.com. Use the discount code DJD10 to get 10% off. Here's your final reminder. Bringing back Wilkesboro, it premieres Thursday, May 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern on my Twitch channel. That's at twitch.tv slash Dale Earnhardt Jr. 88. All right, everybody. It's a great show. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Can't wait to see most of you Thursday on the Twitch channel. And I hope you enjoyed our little conversation with Phelps and the rest of the show. Y'all take it easy, and we'll see you next week. This bit of badassery was badassery. It was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.